All right, guys, you already have an idea (laughs) about this conversation. Hopefully you have listened to part one. If you've not, I'd highly recommend going back and listening to part one because part two is just picking up so that it was not a two-hour podcast episode. Um, So enjoy part two. And again, let me know what you guys think about this. Building an online business is more than branding, content, and sales. It's what happens behind the scenes during the highs and lows that make or break your business. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, and this is The Kim Doyle Show. I'll be sharing my own journey of 10 plus years growing an online business, as well as talking to entrepreneurs who are on the ground, creating, building, and showing up every day. Remember, do business as only you can do. So we've talked about before, I love Thrive themes, even though they really don't do themes anymore. I love their products, but it's not even their products so much. I like how they think and I like how they do the work. Mm-hmm. I like how they teach. They test it. They show you where they tested it. I mean, they are naked to the world. If you have a question about something, they're not like the wizard behind the yellow curtain and you, you know, <laughs> only the vaunted few get to peek behind there and see if he has on boxers or briefs. It's not like that at all. So I think something like that, yeah, you can kind of come in and stay with them for a really long time. You just can versus um there could be another tool that you'd pick that really is for somebody who is just starting out and they may outgrow that, right? But I think that's okay. There will be some things, tools, people, <laughs> Facebook groups that you grow out of and that's okay. That's a, that's a great, um, that's a great way to summarize that because it's funny as I was thinking that every day I was, you know, I'm a Gary Vee fan, but even that like, okay. I, I didn't used to be. I've, I've gone back and forth. And even that, I mean, truthfully, there's a lot of things that I disagree with. You know, he goes off on a little bit, you know, where people are complaining because kids are on their phones and they need to be outside. And it's like, I get it. Kids are growing up in a, in a world of technology, but that doesn't mean there's not value in being off of it as their brains are developing and understanding. <laughs> well, saying kids need to be outside. I was like, wait, what? Sugar can't come in the house? <laughs> <laughs> Well, just to the point of, you know, we don't know the long-term effects of too much screen time for children. Mm-hmm. And there is something about, I, I, I believe it wholeheartedly, that there's something about independent play and imagination that is good for every single soul on the planet. Absolutely. And so I love tech. I'm never going to bash it. But man, I, I will tell you, I'm super glad my kids are 21 and 18 and I didn't have all these devices I could stick in their faces and I'm not judging parents for it. I I'm not walking their shoes, <clears throat> but he goes off on those tangents and I'm like, eh, I don't agree with that. Or no, the answer is not always more content because even some of his stuff, I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't want a three minute snippet of you ranting. I want to listen to keynotes. I like listening to Q and a where you're giving something tangible. So, so to your point of reasons and seasons, I absolutely agree with it. I have sort of a list of things that are my go-tos. For when I need to be lifted up, for when I want to dig in, for when I want to check out, right? I have all those things because I know what works for me. And so here, here, let's do a little bit of a question here. And so what are your thoughts on on someone who says, you know, I'm I, I wanna start an online business today. I've got this thing that I'm good at, I can teach it, I love it. You know, forget tactical maybe for a minute, but what would you say to somebody to be prepared to enter this space today? I'm going to ask those same four questions that I would ask anybody. 
who do you serve? So you have this skill. Okay, who do you want to use that with? Who needs that? And what are you going to do with them? And then how do you want to engage with them? Because until you can answer that, everything else doesn't matter. So once I have the answers to those questions, then there has to be a point at which you're able to communicate to other people who it is that you want to work with, what it is that you want to do with them, and how, right? So then you can get to, okay, so I know there was this, um, sorry, let me answer the question. So they need to have those foundational pieces of information first, and then they need some sort of destination for people. My bias is your own website, because that's what you own. I would never say, though I know periodically there's a new site, everybody's always saying, oh, you don't need a website, you can just do it on Twitter. Good luck with that. Oh, you don't need a website. Bye. You can just do Facebook. Bless their heart. Oh, <laughs> you don't need a website. You can just do a series of lead pages. For real? I'm just saying yeah. my bias would be towards a website because you own that space. And if I'm interested in you and I want to come back and find it, I can always come back to your site and find you, right? But to me, you have to be able to tell your story. So you need to know what the story is. You have to have somewhere to shout your story from, and then you have to be able to tell the story. Those are the foundational pieces. So if you jump the gun on any of those, you're going to have a problem. Here's the other thing that I would, I, that was awesome. I would add to a lot of that. And this question came up um, in my Facebook group talking about local businesses and, you know, struggling and they have to create more content. Da, da, da. It's like, you're going to have to do stuff you don't know how to do. And so you're going to have to figure out how to do it. And that's going to take you time. And that's going to take you work and energy and money possibly. And I don't, you know, without being Debbie Downer, because I don't think I am, but I've always said it's going to take you time and or money. If you've got the money, you can get there faster. If you don't have the money, it's going to take you more time. It's that simple. I don't understand. This is the only space that, that somebody, not somebody, but it's the only space that there's this idea because there's been so many promises sold and not delivered on that people, and maybe it's not, maybe I've not been around in other businesses long enough, you know, but it's like, you have to do the work. And, you know, we were talking about, so we've kind of done a little bit of the, the guru rant and this maybe now is speaking to people who are doing this and it feels at times there are a lot of people who play at this business. And there's a difference if you maybe have a spouse or a partner who is financially keeping life afloat and you can just play at this because I know plenty of those people too. And it's like they buy course after course after course. In the meantime, their beautifully branded site sits with <laughs> sits. We'll just leave it at that. It just sits, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they jump in with fervor. I'm sorry. I'm just visualizing this site covered in dust and I'm like, poor baby. <laughs> totally. Love me. What about me? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and so we talked about this. You can't just buy a course, do the work, and then it solves a problem. I remember hearing this story some one time about somebody complaining, and I want to say, it was shared to me. I was not in the group. It was for Amy Porterfield. I think she had, it was a webinar course. And the person was complaining about, I get in here and now I have to find out I need to buy lead pages and I need to do this and I need to do that. It's like, well, whose responsibility is that, sweetheart? It's, it's not Amy's. She sold you a course on webinars. So, you know, you need to come into it, ask better questions. And, and I don't know Amy Porterfield personally, 
Her marketing seems very genuine. I She really comes across as a good human being. But like you have to be responsible as the business owner to say, I'm not really, I don't even have an offer. I don't have anything to sell. Why am I buying a webinar course when I don't even know what it is I'm selling or I don't have a list to sell it to and I don't have an ad budget? Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say this. I said this to a family member of mine, uh, I don't know, three weeks ago. And um, I don't know when I'll talk to her again. <laughs> she didn't like the response. But she said to me, he's been doing this online thing for a while. Did you get it? I was like, get what? <laughs> right? Because, I mean, in her mind, she's like, okay, you do this thing for a while until you get it. And then it just like magically prints money. So I was kind of being a butthead, but I felt like it. But um, I was like, did I get what? And she's like, you know, did you get it? Do you understand it? I was like, I have always understood it. But let's pretend that I like opened a restaurant. In 90 days, would you expect my restaurant to be in the black? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, why? And her response was something along the lines of, because she has seen that before. And I was like, great. Where'd you see it? <laughs> On like a reality and I wasn't being like ignorant. I'm just saying, great, we're just, you know me, I'm always asking questions. She saw it on like a TV show. You know, like those shows where they like come in and rescue the restaurant. And I'm like, that is such an unnatural set of circumstances. But they condense it for TV. But you do know that that person wasn't like about to close the doors. And then they became like a huge success in less than an hour. You do understand that, right? <laughs> that there was this stuff that happened off camera. But I think we are so microwavy that it's, <laughs> Right. I'm just, yeah, it's, it's, people, I'm just like, people just wear me out sometimes. So in bake what, it, other, God damn it. In what other area, in what other area of your life could you put in minimal effort and get maximum result? There are none. There are none. There are a lot of people who should be employees. I know yeah. that sounds ugly, but it's true. Everybody is not cut out for running their own business. It's not easy. It is not for everyone and you need to know that. So the fact that you don't want to work for somebody else doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Maybe you should just work for somebody different than the person who you're working for right now. That's not my call to make. It's yours. But building your own business requires a certain set of skills, stamina, determination, resilience. It's not easy. So those of us who do it are just a little bit off. We're just a little bit different than your average bear, and that is okay. But it seems like a simple thing to do to people, and it that could not be further from the truth. So I think that also we'll see a shaking out of people who, and I was fascinated as you were talking about people who took courses and then did the work and then were still dissatisfied, because I don't see a lot of that. I see a crap ton of people buying tools and taking courses, but then they don't do anything with them. And then they're mad at the tool. So I used to work for um, a large software tool company. And we would have people buy in at like the top level all the time. And then they'd come and they'd be like, okay, so what are we going to do? And we'd be like, well, I don't know. <laughs> right? We're looking at them like, you're kidding us, right? But they expected us to like build a product, everything, just because they had bought the highest level subscription that this tool offered. And we would always say, what is your business? The tool is not a business. The tool enables you to market your business. But if you don't have a business, this tool isn't going to help you. Well, I don't want to hear that after I just gave you $6,000. I gave you $6,000 and I want a return on my investment. Why? Because I saw a TV show. 
where a restaurant was rescued from the brink of bankruptcy in less than an hour. You know what I mean? So I just think that there are some unrealistic expectations in the marketplace. And I don't think we often talk about the differences. It's not sexy on the front of something to talk about the hard work that is required. So if someone, if another question somebody would ask me, if they were like, oh, so how would you get started today? When I first got online um, building businesses, I never thought about Facebook ads. And at that time, 10 years ago, I was like, I'm never going to run ads. I'm going to write and I'm going to, perhaps, this is so long ago, I was going to guest post. Mm-hmm. And then later I added a podcast, but I was like, oh, I'm never doing paid traffic. And I look back now and I giggle so hard at that. And I act like the person who said that was a different person, even though she was wearing my clothes and looked just like me. Because I think, wow, that was a really limited and entrepreneurially immature position. Today, I'm like, of course I would do ads because I want to do things faster right? I want to get to the right people faster. I want to make the right people aware of me. Now, would they become aware of me eventually through my other content? Maybe, but I know that I can shorten the length of time by doing more paid acquisition. So this year's plan absolutely includes doing paid ads, not necessarily the way ads might have been done before, because I kind of pay attention to those as well. I think strong marketers are, I don't watch what everybody else does, but I do pay attention to what other marketers do if for no other reason than I want to learn what I don't want to do. Well, that's a huge one. And with the ad thing, it's funny because I have said that I just went through and I shared uh, in the Facebook group how I finally I canceled my Adobe Creative Cloud subscription. It's only 50 bucks a month, but I'm like, I can spend 50 bucks a month on Facebook ads. <laughs> Another $50 towards paid traffic, right? And the point being is I've having done this long enough and I did ads, you know, I don't know. I think I, the first ads I ran were like 2013 ish and I had a really good return on them too, but at this, but I wasn't clear on who I was and what I was doing to be honest with you. So I would pull back, right? Preach. Yeah. And I'm glad I did because at the same time, it's like I would have built this big list of people that I'm not serving today. So, you know, hindsight, it actually worked in this case, but the truth is in having just gone through this with the Kickstarter and realizing and looking and doing this analysis of what successful business owners are doing. And that doesn't mean that people aren't doing JV and relationship marketing and all of that, but I want to be in more control of my traffic and my sales. And so where can I do that? I can do that with paid traffic. And the difference is for both of us is we have this foundation. We have an audience. We have our, our stuff dialed in. I've got the offers. I've got the site. I've got the content. I've got the community. So now I'm ready to pour the gas on it almost 11 years later. It'll be 11 years in March. I've gone through tons of transitions and changes. And it's, I would like for people to treat an online business the way they would treat an offline business. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, girl, like I had a scrapbook store in 1998. And remember, you got to sell a lot of 10 cent stickers and pieces of paper to, but I remember being so excited the first day we did $2,000 in a day and it was almost a full year later and it was like an anniversary party in the store. Mm -hmm. Right. And so (laughs) now, and now knowing what I know today, I would have marketed it so differently. However, it took time and energy and showing up and doing all of those things to get to that point. I mean, you know, so it's, 
I would like to see people start looking at this as a business. And just because you're watching a webinar or just because you bought a course or you have an accountability partner doesn't mean you're doing the work. It really, really doesn't, you guys. So you have to find that space. I mean, for me, I do love to learn and test and deploy. That stuff has to get scheduled in because guess what? I have to produce content. I have to make a sale. I need to be marketing. Those things have to come first. And I look at people who are successful that I know personally, and it's, I, I like, I specifically thinking of a friend who blew up in the e-commerce space and he's, I don't say wishy-washy, but it's like, I mean, I literally could pick up the phone and call him. We're good friends. Right. But at the same time, oh, hey, you know, what are your thoughts on the planner and stuff? Don't hear from him. And I'm like, he's got a business to run. That doesn't serve his audience. Why on earth should I expect him to be Mm -hmm. putting this in front of his people? It's his niche is different. Yes, he does coaching in the e-commerce space and all of that, but that doesn't necessarily mean. And then I look at what he does and I'm like, he's not promoting anybody's stuff. And so there's an important piece there though, right? About that person's integrity because the bro marketing that we were talking about earlier, they would have done that even though it didn't make sense. And then that damages their position. It damages Mm -hmm. their voice. It damages their, um, the trust that they've built up with their audience. If you're doing something that I know, I'm like, wait, what the pudding? Who is this person? Because they're not talking about stuff that I'm accustomed to them talking about. That is not helpful to you and it's injurious to themselves. So, I absolutely think, oh my gosh, that would have been awesome if he'd helped. But since it didn't make sense, I'm glad he didn't do it. Absolutely. And of course- Does that sound weird? Because you know- No. Okay. No, no, no. It's (laughs) it's honest. It's direct. And it's helpful. You know, that's where, you know, I've done a lot of sort of analysis after (laughs) this Kickstarter. And I'm, I'm literally working on, which will probably, I think it might come out before this episode, but- the, the podcast episode is how a failed Kickstarter led to a successful product because it was having gone through all that and really looking at the stuff that is preached, you know, build your dream 100. Okay. Well, you know, building a list of dream 100 partners is great and it can happen, but it also takes time. You know, cold outreach is tough. It's not something I feel comfortable in. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that if I don't feel comfortable, no matter how diligently I follow through on the tasks, if it doesn't feel right in my body, it's going to fail. It's just going to. I put the energy to the universe says, this isn't right, you know, and I think people pick that up. I think they feel it. I, know that's I think you're right. I was going to say to you, why do you think that is? If you're not comfortable, people feel it. Even if you have rehearsed what you're saying 20 times so that it flows like butter over a hot ear of corn, if in your spirit what you're saying is a lie, people feel that. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. And so that's where I think people set themselves up for failure because so we've kind of covered the self-awareness. The next piece of that would be trust. Do you trust yourself enough to do what no one else is doing? And you guys, I don't mean like picking a market where, I, I don't know, <laughs> I think I remember Gary Vee was saying one time, you know, just because you like banana ice cream doesn't mean there's a huge market for banana ice cream or something <laughs> random and silly, right? Although if it was a banana Slurpee, there is a huge audience. I am a witness that the lines outside 7-Elevens up and down the New Jersey coast in the summer, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, so I, so the thing is you have to really be willing to trust yourself and say, I feel that doing this, like don't, you can't do a podcast if you don't enjoy podcasting. It's never going to work, even though 
I could sell anybody on a podcast because of what it's done for my business. But if you're not willing to stick it out and a lot of people come in and they mechanically do a podcast, they schedule it, the posts go out, they do this, but it's not in their heart. It's not what they want to do. It doesn't feel right for them to show up that way. It's never going to work. So there has to be this, this element of of trust and how you market and how you drive your business. Because the other piece, you know, we were talking about things just being a tool. I think WordPress is a perfect example of the fallout of it just being a tool. A lot of people built businesses around WordPress. Myself, having done that, I got tired of it. It took me a little longer to pivot to my personal brand. But I think a lot of people who have built businesses on WordPress all of a sudden with how the market's changing, with the amount of page builders, with things getting easier, you know, and this is not a conversation against, you know, agencies or development or anything. I have a lot of friends in that space who are struggling, who have have had to pivot and become all-in-one digital agencies, all of those things, because they built a business around a tool. So I look at people who are not comfortable and WordPress to me was a place where so many people just did not want to sell. God forbid we make money off the thing that we do for free. Like, I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it was a free tool. We can't charge for WordPress. Nobody wants to spend money. Why on earth would you start a business in a market where people don't want to spend money? I think that's fascinating because for every person who said people don't want to spend money, three other people were getting people to give them money. Amen. So I love WordPress. Always have, always will. Um, but I think that so much of it is how we approach the market. So if my business, my, my business can't be WordPress, I have a business and I use WordPress to accomplish whatever it is that I do, which is different. So that's like my business can't be Beaver Builder. My business can't be ConvertKit. Though I can use those things in my business, but those things are not my business unless I am Beaver Builder or ConvertKit. <laughs> Amen. Right? So using WordPress is different than acting like WordPress itself is the business. I can still remember talking to someone when I first moved to North Carolina and um, I was like, oh, am I going back to corporate or am I going to do my own thing? And I went to this like job exploration thing over Research Triangle Park for Women. And there was a guy there who had never heard of WordPress before. And I had been playing with it a little bit at home. And he's like, WordPress, oh my gosh, don't wait your time. What you need to do is go to Drupal. I was like, what? <laughs> totally serious. I wish I had recorded the dude. 10 years ago in Research Triangle Park, he was telling me how WordPress was a flash in the pan. And that if I was going to invest in a technology, it better be Drupal. <sighs> it's all about mindset, right? So for the yeah. same people who say, oh, people won't spend money in WordPress. Hey, somebody's giving somebody money in the WordPress space. You know why? Because they're not selling WordPress. They're selling who they are and what they offer. And WordPress just happens to be part of it. Absolutely. And that comes to the point of somebody knowing themselves. It comes back to your original four questions, right? Mm -hmm. Who do you mm -hmm. serve? What is it you're doing? How are you going to help them? And how can they contact you? I mean, if you don't know those things... And it's, I, I, I guess the, the piece in bringing up WordPress as an example today and where we're at is that I, I think people are getting, okay, gone are the days of, yes, I build websites, I can do this, and here's what it's going to cost. 
People have to become more of a partner. They have to mm-hmm. be expert. They need to guide their clients. They either are going to have to create content for them mm-hmm. or navigate <laughs> or that wait. process. Yeah. Or <laughs> let their website get dusty, right? Is mm-hmm. So all of those things. And again, it just being an example, but the amount of discussions happening around that are fascinating to me. And that brings me up. <laughs> I, this is definitely getting cut into episodes, um, but to the point of, you know, where we were talking about people who maybe they buy a course. And to your point, I think a lot more people just don't complete the course and then blame the course creator. So we know that that happens. But the other thing I see, and this was very significant, again, in the WordPress space, and everybody knows it will always have my heart. I love WordPress. I will always use it but are people who spend more time with their peers than where their customers are. Yes. Oh, girl, say it again for the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Say it again a little louder. So much time with your peers, spend Mm -hmm. more time with your customers. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of people uh, jump into Facebook groups in the last year and a half. And it was funny because a friend of mine, Kyle Van Dusen, great guy. um, He runs one called the admin bar. And he literally said, I'm in this little tiny private Facebook group that it's like a, it's a WordPress group, but it's really just a business friendship kind of super small. And he's like, you know, what did he say? Our groups are incestuous enough as it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's true that it's great. You you throw up a group, you invite your friends that are all in the same other groups and then Mm -hmm. what? And so you need to spend time talking to your potential customer. What is the problem you're solving? Who are you serving? Mm-hmm. How can they contact you? You know, so I don't know. Thoughts on and that? It merits, it merits doing over and over. So at the end of last year, so like, I guess the last quarter of last year, I actually, so I invested in uh, certification training to become a coach two years or so ago, right? But I never thought, okay, so now I'm done. I never need to know anything else. And I think part of that is, Lots of people in communities of color really believe in education. Yeah, we know you can learn stuff on the job, but for us, when doors were closed for so long, the way you opened that door was to know more than everybody else in the whole party, right? So I never thought, okay, so now that I finish this certification, I'll never need to learn another thing. But I intentionally went and invested in training with someone who had built a coaching business. That's not what she's doing right now, but she built a very successful coaching business. And I thought, so there's a ton of people who I know in the online space who can tell me all sorts of stuff about building an email list, you know, uh, lead acquisition, all that kind of stuff. All of that is great. But there's nothing like talking with someone who has been where you're trying to go. But when I invested in that, I thought a couple of things. I thought, one, I know me well enough to know I'm not going to invest and just think, oh, well, because I gave this person, you know, more than five dollars mm-hmm. that magic is going to happen. I knew there was going to be work, and I knew that it would change me and it would change how I coach and it would change how I talk about what it is that I coach. And that was a very uncomfortable place to be for about five weeks because the course was dripped out, so I couldn't just jump in, you know, me and do everything in 21 days, which is how I roll, but I couldn't do that right because the lessons were being dripped out and there were weeks built in where they were like work weeks and like like you could, didn't get any new lessons. And I was like, is she kidding me? The long story short is I knew that that investment was the beginning of a process for me, not the end, right? So it wasn't like, okay, that was a destination. Once I've paid this amount of money, there'll be nothing else that I ever need to pay. But 
the other thing was I knew that it would get me to stop just talking to my little circle of other coach buddies or my circle of online marketers. It is critical to get new thoughts, even especially, I won't even say even, especially thoughts I don't agree with. Because if everybody around me thinks exactly the way I do, or God forbid, always agrees with me, I'm going to start to suck because I'm not going to, I'm not going to challenge myself. Sorry, that wasn't very ladylike. I'm not going to be as sharp as I could be because I won't ever challenge myself. I'll get lazier. I won't be as excited about it. I was more excited in the weeks when I had to like strip back everything I'd been talking about and start all over than I was at any other point since I had started coaching. And I love coaching, but having to like strip back down to those bare essential questions and what it is that I wanted to do for people and how they measure that was really painful, but really exciting. I love the beginnings of things when you don't know all the answers. And I think a lot of people are getting to that place because we're questioning things more as a country. We're not accepting things as truth because there've been lots of reasons in the last couple of years for us to not always believe what we're told. Yeah. So that's the other thing I think that we're seeing in the space. Even if what you're saying is true, people may not believe you. So the sales cycles could be longer, right? So what you're doing in between, it may not be, hey, um, short video, three email sequence sale. That may not work in this environment where people are less trusting, right? They need a longer ramp up. They need to see you when it's not the best of times, right? They just don't want to see you at the parade. They want to see you outside of the parade, right? So I think we're going to see those things as well. And I think that's what excites me as I think about marketing moving forward, because I was never going to be a big bro marketer type. My <laughs> I wouldn't. My introverted mind, I I like like five people. That's not true. I like more than five, but my circle is small, but my circle is tight, right? But my circle is also not all people like me. So I couldn't just rely on like pulling the lever of, oh, this certain set of people is just going to hype whatever I do, no matter what. Sometimes it's not a good fit. Sometimes they're just not interested in it. And that is okay right? So I think it feels more exciting. Like there's more opportunity because if I was not a bro or I was never in that circle, it felt at times like there wasn't a space for me. And I definitely don't feel that way anymore. So for I think for people who were discouraged in the past because they felt like there was no room and competition is high, competition is high, competition is high, <laughs> but it still feels like there's way more opportunity for me in the post JV use your friends mode than ever before. I could not agree more, girl. I am very excited. I feel like for those of us who are in this for the long haul, don't have that, didn't have the comfort level with a, just put out a free plus shipping offer and everything's going to work, you know, and can throw stuff up. I just, I, I so agree with you that, do you remember the term, the syndicate? Did you ever hear that? In internet marketing? <laughs> I was like, in internet marketing, I remember hearing it on like Columbo or something. <laughs> Yeah, well, it it was the bro marketing, and it was a bunch of internet marketing guys. Oh, that was a specific group of people. Okay, uh huh. Uh -huh. Right. No, I don't know the syndicate. Yeah, you know, so that was interesting. But I, I want to circle back to what you were talking about in terms of, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone and your peers. And it was fascinating because I've talked about this so many times on the show. I'm not going to go into massive detail, but where I had a few friendships that went, uh, just ended. Definitely that season was over and it was a massive realization 
because uh, it was always like these people, these were friends that were stuck. And I'm like, why do you, I, I was literally going to an empty well for water all the time. And I think I hit a point where it was someone telling me what I should be doing with my group. And I was like, you know, you're great at telling me what to do, but you don't ever want to do the work. So, and it literally, that was it last time we talked. I'm like, we need to end this call. Yep. I agree. And it was simply because why on, why I don't care what you know, you don't do. So I made a commitment to myself that unless someone has successfully done what I want to do, I'm not going to listen to them. And that doesn't mean I wouldn't bounce ideas off. Like you and I do a lot of that. What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? That kind of thing, you know, but like you wouldn't go tell me, well, Kim, if you want to run a Facebook ad agency, this is what you need to do because you've not done it, right? <laughs> I don't want to. But, but I would not do that because right. I would have to be drunk and you know, I don't drink. So there's no way that conversation is happening. But Somebody will have read an article. So when I was back in the corporate world, right, and I worked in communications, there'd always be somebody who'd like read an article on PR or marketing communications. Then they'd come to the PR and marketing marketing communications people and be like, you should do this based on like an article they read on the airplane. I'm like, do you understand the level of disrespect that is present in this conversation right now? It's the same if I'm telling you how to run a Facebook agency when I know nothing about running a Facebook agency, except what I may have seen or read in an article on an airplane. And yet how many people start selling stuff because Mm -hmm. they've done that or they've taken a class and then they literally go rip somebody else off and and the thing is, I, I don't know. I refuse to believe that people are simply just that crappy. I think most of that stems from a lack of confidence and self-belief and, and patience <laughs> is a big one. But, but, you know, that whole idea of that. So when I see people who spend more time talking with their peers about the same problems, it, it just, it's, you have to say to yourself, you know, I'm going to love you and leave you because I've got work to do. That That's kind of where I'm at at this point. And with, without being, I, I don't know, I can't, I can't have people around me that don't do the work. I'm at a point in my life that I need people who are where I'm at or above me to have me rise to a higher level. I think there's a couple of things. So one, there were people who taught that you attend this workshop, you learn it, and then you turn right around and you charge people for you to teach it to them. Now, I think in some areas that's okay. And in some areas it's extremely problematic, right? Train the trainer is not new. That's been going on forever, right? I used to work for a training company, like standing up in front of the room training. And I loved that, but it never occurred. So one of the ones I taught was like grammar for working professionals. So never did I think someone was going to leave that room and then go try to teach grammar in their office, right? But if it had been a train the trainer situation where they're coming to learn like the Franklin Covey system and then they're going back to their company to learn, right, to teach people the Franklin Covey system, that is different. But what I have seen over the last few years is people, it doesn't matter. It could be any type of content. It could be how do you um, create your first funnel? So somebody will attend a course, they'll walk all the way through that course, and then they'll turn around and start selling that to people. That's where I think the problem comes in. Some things I think are appropriate for train the trainer and some of them are not because just because I went to the course on creating a funnel doesn't mean I'm qualified to teach it. I might know the logistics or the technical pieces of it, but I really can't help you put together a funnel that converts. And to me, that's the point. Just being able to create a funnel is nothing. 
knowing stuff doesn't change lives, doing stuff does. So to your point, if you want to surround yourself with people who are doing, it's a different posture. But you can't always tell from the outset who's actually doing and who's just talking, which why I always tell people, if you don't know what to do, sit. (laughs) Yeah. Take a moment because people will show you the universe will show you what's happening around you if you give it a chance, right? But if you're so busy leaping into action before you give yourself a chance to really understand what's going on, you're going to hurt your own feelings. So you can figure it out, right? If you think someone's not doing either way, if you slow down and pay attention. So if you're having an accountability group and week after week, this person's talking about the exact same task, after four weeks, you'll know they're not doing. But on week one, you don't know that right? So give it a minute. And if you want to be around people who are doing, then be around people who are doing. The other piece of that, though, is that you then have to be doing. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions from last year is I heard a ton of people, right? A ton of clients who were so busy. That's what they'd say. I'm overwhelmed. I'm so busy. And I'm asking questions and drilling down. And I'm like, so what are you doing? Tell me what the busy stuff is because you're talking about how you're crazy productive and you're always busy, but you're stressed out and you're gnashing your teeth in your sleep. So tell me what you're accomplishing because if you're accomplishing good stuff, maybe you just need to step back and pat yourself on the back for accomplishing stuff instead of talking about always being busy. But if you are churning and not actually accomplishing stuff and you still have this pressure of all the things you need to get done on top of feeling like you're overly busy, do you see where there's a disconnect, right? So I wrote a post called busy isn't a badge of honor. It's bullshit because I used to thrive on being busy. Not anymore. Oh my gosh. I have not seen that, but I would love it. I used to talk about how lack of sleep is not a badge of honor. Cause when I was in corporate, I used to brag about how little sleep I had. Cause I'd be on the most people. Well, if you live in Minnesota and you work in public relations, you're traveling a lot. We are not a big media market in Minneapolis. So you're going to New York or Los Angeles a lot, right? And I thought it was such a badge of honor. Oh my gosh, I'm running on two hours sleep. Oh my gosh, I'm running on three hours sleep. Now I'm embarrassed if I'm having to tell people I only slept four hours because I know better. <laughs> like I said, knowing doesn't change lives. Doing does. And there's a big difference between activity and productivity. Absolutely. I mean, you can walk in circles all day long. Does not mean you're getting anywhere. And you will have been busy and you'll be stressed out and you'll be exhausted and you'll be nowhere closer to where you're actually trying to go, which is what I think part of the magic is of the planner, the content planner. Thank you. Which I don't have in my hands yet, but I think part of the magic of that is I love online tools. We know this, but there's something about pen and paper. And when you put your pl- Back in the day, right, when I used to be um, a Mary Kay person. Well, I guess you're always a Mary Kay person. But when I was actively working my Mary Kay business, they often talked about writing like your three most important things the night before. The next day, so you know when you got up, hey, these are the three most important things. But there was also a weekly sheet of reckoning. That's not what they call it. But every week you'd have the opportunity to step back and say, what did I actually accomplish? What did I say I was going to do versus what I did? So there was this constant feedback loop of what am I doing? Is the activity that I'm doing going to create the results that I want? There are other systems that do that. I'm just talking about my personal experience. And we lose some of that when we get in corporate because there's other rulers that you use and other scorecards or report cards that you use. And then as an entrepreneur, there kind of isn't anything, which is why we're so susceptible to glomming onto whatever the new tool is or whatever the new bright, shiny thing is that someone mentions, because we yearn for that kind of accountability and feedback 
in a space where it's not automatic. So I think the magic of a planner or something like that, where you've actually written down what you're doing, it'll hurt your feelings. The first couple of times you look at it, <laughs> own it, girl, you want to grow, get your feelings hurt, get humbled. That will, that will create it. So much growth, girl, bye. If you've written down what you say, hey, I'm going to do this for this week. And then you come back, this happened to me on Sunday. Last week I had written down in my planner, this things I was going to do around decluttering because I have so much stuff. And if there's so much stuff, I feel like I can't think because I'm too much, too busy looking at stuff. Ditto, girl. My desk is clean. I cannot girl, work with crap. All don't shame me. I will not, oh. be <laughs> by, I will not be death shamed by you, young lady. But on Sunday evening, I pick up my beautiful new plum planner and I'm like, crap on a cracker. There's like eight items that were critical for the week. And I had done one of them. I had nobody to blame. I had done a whole lot of other crap and it wasn't on there. And a couple of things, I'm not too ashamed to tell it. I wrote them down so I could check them off because <laughs> I had already done them, even though they hadn't been on the list. But how many, how <laughs> I've totally done that too. I'm like, I was about please, to say, but I'm not the only person. I'm not the only person who does that. But what I'm saying is to move forward and to grow and to move my business to where it deserves to be, I can't continue to do that. So I have to have a system and I have to have people around me who will challenge me. I have to have specific goals of where it is that I'm trying to go. I need to know what the gap is. What do I need to do to move from where I am to where that is? And then I have to keep circling back to is what I'm doing right now leading me towards that thing. And I have friends kind of like when I start a new whole 30, like what I'm in right now, people are like, oh, that's so restrictive. Why do you torture yourself that way? And I was like, if you would do it for one week, you would feel differently. Well, first of all, you'd be all cranky because you're going through sugar withdrawal. But that aside, if you would do something for just one week that limited your options, you would see the magic in it. There's a crap ton of stuff you can eat on Whole30. There's just like a handful of things that you cannot. And in that restriction is a lot of power and choice. And I'm just going to jump in with this because you're not always going to feel like doing it, period. But we're grownups now. It's time to expect more from ourselves in a way. I mean, girl, you know, I, you know I'm a big juicer. I love juicing. I can feel it. <laughs> the older I get, I'm so conscious when I've not put good nutrition into my body, that doesn't mean everything is flowing, but I'm like, you feel better. I, I jokingly, I d I've done one juice fast for 14 days. I literally just had juice. And this is fresh, you guys, I juice. I get the vegetables and the fruits and I put them in the juice. I make it, right? I was like, I felt like I was, <laughs> I don't know, on a drug. I slept like a baby. I woke up bright and shiny at six o'clock in the morning. I had more energy. My skin looked great. Like I was on fire and someone was like, well, why'd you stop? And I'm like, cause I got pissed and I wanted a cheeseburger. Like I got in a mood. Oh, that's a right? great question. Why did you stop? Oh, that's a humbling one too, isn't it? Why did yeah, you stop? And the thing is, it was, I'm a human being. Okay. And I haven't done a juice fast since then. I've done a few days or three or four, but the point is if I want the results from that, I know what I need to do. And Maybe health is, you know, to each his own. I think there's so much information, whether it's Whole30 or, or fasting or keto, whatever you works for you, go do your thing. But the point is, we're not always going to feel like doing it. I mean, this morning, I, I had the same thing, girl. I had a list from yesterday and it was, okay, I, I had this, okay, I'm going to go on a little bit of a side thing here. And I, I'm, you know, that I'm a big, um, 
audiophile, I guess would be the correct word. I'm always listening. I love listening to books too. And one of my commitments to myself this year is to rewrite my money story. You know, I think we all have crap and baggage um, Mm -hmm. with different things. It's a big one for me. And I was listening to this book and it's Gary M. Douglas and Dr. Dane. I I apologize, but the book is called Money Isn't the Problem, You Are. Right? And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm getting to a point here, but is I started thinking about stuff and and really just being so much more conscious about money, whether it's expenses, spending, how I think about it. And it was funny because I was like, Kim, you actually have a lot of assets in your business now. And I looked back, this is just a little side thing. I had done a uh, like a live course. It was only 47 bucks, but I was like, oh, you need like a thousand bucks. And like, less than two weeks just by saying, Hey, do you guys want me to show you how I did this? And so I did it as a live class. And so then I started thinking, all right, well, okay. You know, this whole rewriting the money story, I'm going to get to a point guys, but was instead of thinking, Oh, do I want to spend the money on this? Like going up to see my therapist, right? That's a chunk. It's the entire day. I sit with her for three hours. It's gas. It's the whole nine yards. But I was like, you have the money, but instead of that, why don't you go make the money? Like make it, put an offer out. And so I, it's, it's reframing, but guess what? When I made my list of things to do yesterday, I was like, okay, what do you need to do? Do you have to put up a landing page? You need to make the offer. You need to do the email, all of those things. Do I necessarily love doing those? No, I would prefer to sit and write a post and record a podcast for three or four hours. But guess what? If I want to make the sale, I need to do the work. That was a super long tangential story, but you know, my point, we're not always going to feel like doing the work. And I think if you're going to take your business seriously and you want to go and grow where you need to be, you have to do those things first. So I'm giggling real hard and I muted myself because I laughed like flat out loud when you talked about how you don't always feel like doing stuff. I used to study with um, this woman named Louise Goss. Francis Clark ran the New School for Music study, which at the time I didn't know was a really shishi place to study piano. But I attended there. And I remember once... I was, um, I'm one of those people who just sat down and started playing something I heard on the radio. And so I had a lot of innate skill with a keyboard, but I was in there winging it often because I was really good at sight reading, even complicated pieces. So one time I was in there and my instructor and there were a couple other instructors like above her and they were putting all this different music in front of me. And man, I was showing off sight reading the crap out of all this stuff. And then at the end, the head of the school turned me and said, you haven't been practicing. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) The piece that you started off with, you know, this one you're actually working on, you played that about the same as you played these as that you're sight reading. So what we now know is that you're not practicing in between. And I was like, see, what happened was... Well, but my little like 12 year old mind thought, okay, I'm busted. But what she said next was, why aren't you practicing? And I was like, I don't feel like it. And she said, what does that have to do with anything? (laughs) I was like, wait, what? (laughs) It was like the first time that I had to confront the wait. I have to do stuff even if I don't feel like it. I thought I had to work really hard to get myself to feel like doing something and then do it. And she's like, no, that's not how it works. I really, they had a total come to Jesus and they're like, Hey, you're going to start dialing in or we're giving someone else the spot. And I'm like, Oh, 
Bum, bum, well, bum. Exactly. I'm like, I'm going to have to go back and tell my parents who are sacrificing majorly to send me to this shishi school for piano study. And I'm going to have to go tell them I'm on the verge of getting kicked out because I'm winging it. Oh, oh no. But it was important lesson for me to learn because I thought I should only be able to do what I felt like. Now, having said that, I think if you're building a business that you don't like, that's nonsense. Sometimes people will jump into something because it's popular. So it's funny to me, right, having podcasted for a long time, that there's all these people, like every five minutes, someone else is coming out with a podcast because it's like everybody is coming out with a podcast. But you can hear when someone's podcasting because they're into it or they're podcasting because like everybody is doing it. Yeah. So I'm not suggesting that you have to fake it, right? So I'm not saying you have to do things that you don't want to because you have to do them to get the job done if they're like core things or they're values things or they're intrinsic things because there will be stuff about any business that you don't love. But at the end of the day, if you love the business, you will do the things that are required even when you don't feel like it. And that's the magic though, okay? This is the thing that I'm like, if I could bottle this, I would be a quadrillionaire. And I was trying to make up a word that was just ridiculous. <laughs> because, like, well, you succeeded, honey. Because quadrillionaire is not a word. <laughs> because the whole thing is, it's you just you miss who you become when you do the things you don't want to do. And it's it's that thing of I don't know with kids. It's you know you go back to reward. You know there's that pain versus pleasure reward thing, but the, the doing is the reward and you are never going to learn that unless you do the things you don't like to do. And the other piece of that, and I go back to, I will continue to call it my almost daily email, but I, I made a commitment to myself just to do that. I wanted to get better at it. I had watched Ben Settle do it for a year and just studied and paid attention to how he did it. And I did it to crickets for the first 30 days. Nada, lots of unsubscribes, nobody doing anything because I had maybe emailed once or twice a month a weird, dumb newsletter. Here's what I wrote. Here's what I saw. Here's this. Never selling anything, mind you. And so I, I just, it was a commitment to myself. And then it was after that time period, one, my writing got better. I started getting results. People started commenting, but I just, I instilled a level of trust in myself that I don't know I had experienced prior because it was ve- it's always been very easy for me to work hard. I was a great friggin' employee and but to be a great entrepreneur is to suck it up once in a while. Most of the time to be honest with you, you to get the fruits of your labors, you're constantly doing the work. I'm blessed that I love everything I do right now, but for the most part it's yeah, you want to produce a podcast, you got to write, you got to record, you got to edit. All those things have to happen and it's you know, I just want people to get excited about the mastery piece. And I know it's not sexy, but man, it's awesome. <laughs> I think we need to redefine sexy. I think so too. I think it should be a movement. I don't know where we'll begin it, but I think we need to redefine what sexy is. It's kind of like when I was like 17 or 18, what I thought was sexy was like a boy who seemed slightly disrespectful to authority. Maybe he owned some leather and he had a hot car, right? That was sexy (laughs) when I was like 17. And then when I was like 30, what was sexy was like he had a Volvo. He had no debt. (laughs) He had glasses which said he had healthcare, right? So I'm just saying, (laughs) 
what looks sexy changes for you from time to time. And I think it's time to redefine what's like sexy in business. Yeah. Because what's sexy to me is month over month growth. Mm -hmm. What's sexy to me is sustainable income. What's sexy is really feeling like you are smack in the middle of your lane doing what you're supposed to do and you've connected with people who want what you have to offer, that is magic. Because I think the other thing is we'll do something and we'll be super excited about it. And then when we don't do the work to market it correctly, it is demoralizing to have poured yourself onto a page, into a course, into a webinar, and have nobody spark to it. Because then you doubt your gift. And the problem is not your gift. Your problem was your marketing of the gift. Um, I, I was writing that this very morning. This morning? Shut up. <laughs> I didn't, you didn't tell me that. So it's not like, I just set you up. Girl, there's a softball. Poof. Oh my God. I, I lobbed I, it up there. This morning, I was literally writing that as I was doing the the recap of the failed Kickstarter that's leading to a successful product. And it's interesting that you keep calling it failed, but I'm going to get to that on another call. I'm not going to coach right now, but I'm sticking a pin in that. We're coming back to that. Well, and the point is meaning just failed in terms of funding. That was all. That was because to me, it's a super successful product. We've gotten massive market validation. But the point is I had this massive epiphany throughout this process. And I am so one of those people that I trust things, how they happen, why they happen. It was this massive wake up call to myself that I literally never give myself the appropriate runway to do the marketing, right? It's like, I know all of the tasks. And just because I can get a landing page up doesn't mean throwing a landing page up this afternoon is going to have quality copy that converts. So it's, I, I know where I hesitate with things, but I looked back Allegra and I literally was like, gosh, Kim, you do this all the time. You don't give the marketing the time and attention. We have an amazing product. People are loving it. I'm teaching how to use it. We're in this for the long haul. But the bottom line is we went from idea to Kickstarter launch in three friggin' months, right? And so just because I have an audience and people who I expect to promote or think will, all of those things doesn't mean that we had any way, shape, or form of a successful marketing campaign. No regrets, none whatsoever. That I can honestly tell you, but it made me realize, girl, it's not the thing, it's how you're marketing it. So don't go market anything else get your marketing dialed in for the things you have because I haven't swayed from what I want to teach or sell or do. But like give yourself as an example, like I was, I was, I've been teaching about really wanting to do more sort of ultimate guide posts, right? Like a really long epic four or five page post with table of contents, all that. So I've given myself 90 days to write an ultimate guide to Kajabi. I mean, that's a commitment to me. That's a, oh, You've grown up. And then guess what? <laughs> we take that post and we send paid traffic to it and we keep it in iteration and we, we make sure to comment on it. We do, you know, so all of those things. But I realized the marketing is way harder than I've ever given it credit mm, for being. Ever like, acknowledged. Absolutely. Than I ever acknowledged. Absolutely. It was funny to me a couple of weeks ago, uh, as we're getting closer to the end of the year, I don't know what time this is going to go up, but for me right now, it's the beginning of the year. And um, 
I was looking back over things that I had done and some things that I had produced that I was like, okay, I can see the stress in my life when I'm reading this, right? Or things that I thought, ooh, that was fire. I should have done more with that. And I think I have always underestimated the should have done more with that part. Mm -hmm. Always. And I don't understand why, because I know better. I worked in PR or marketing communications for different organizations, most of them tech, but my whole corporate career so what would possess me to think that I didn't need to market what I'm communicating now? I cannot explain it. But there were several things that I unearthed and I thought, okay, I need to, um, it's a little dusty. I need to get the Swiffer. I might need a little of that fabulous lemon smelling wood oil stuff. I needed to <laughs> polish it up a little bit. And then I needed to give it a true chance, right? Yes. So whether I'm putting it in missing letter or whether I'm creating pinnable images. Can you believe I still have some images on my blog that are not pinnable? It's true. If you have like 276 posts, all of them aren't going to get fixed overnight. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the day that I spent like totally doing a ton of cleanup and I was nowhere near done, I thought, oh my gosh, I should have done X. And I was like, shut up. Why are you talking to yourself that way? You were absolutely doing what you should have been doing. You had some gold, you had some platinum out here and you were treating it like brass. Now you have polished it up and you're doing the right thing. So I think that that's not sexy, right? People aren't going to be excited about that. What are you working on today? Oh, I'm going back and cleaning up old posts. <laughs> right. Nobody's going to be like, yes, queen. Nobody's going to say that because it doesn't sound sexy, but it is sexy. And I'm already seeing, you know, just a couple weeks later, the difference in traffic to those posts or the number of people who are resharing those images. It just works if you do it. But sometimes the stuff that needs done just isn't that sexy. So this year, I always pick a word. And last year, I can't even remember what my word was, which is telling. But because so much of the year, like I could not use my arms. So it was like my um, word for the year was like pain-free. <laughs> right? So this year, right, I don't have the same issues, right? My arms aren't done. I still have about another six months of therapy and stuff to go. But my point is it's focus. So one of my friends who I was talking to in about November and I was talking about what I wanted to do in the next year. And she's like, I'm challenging you right now. And I was like, Oh, are you? She was like, I'm going to challenge you not to change a single tool, no new tools, no new software, no new nothing for the six months, just market and promote your stuff and see what happens. And I was like, Oh, I love nothing better than somebody challenging me. Challenge. Amen. Right. And we laughed so hard because she's like, yeah, this isn't sexy. I was like, everything doesn't have to be sexy. But oh, by the way, I think this is sexy. <laughs> and you know what, though? I remember saying this one time. I'm like, it's not sexy until it is. Because all of a sudden, when content that you wrote two yes. and a half years ago starts mm -hmm. driving traffic and converting subscribers, mm -hmm. oh, that is a little bit sexy. And by the way, I literally just had to write down the the new name of this is Bro Marketing and Redefining Sexy. So I love oh, the magic okay. that comes from talking. Oh, yay. Because you know that word was making me nervous. <laughs> I do. And here's the crazy thing, girl. So we are at two hours now. <gasps> we are? We're at two hours. So I, I'm going to wrap this up. And okay. here's the thing, though. I don't know, girl, as, as we're doing this, and I'm thinking I, I cannot wait to get feedback from my listeners. So you guys, let me know how you like this. I know you're going to love Allegra if you've not come into her hemisphere yet, but I think we need to do this more frequently. Um, it was just magic. And I just, you're magical with words. Girl. Oh, I love that. I was looking the other day. So one of the other things, are you still recording? So you can ignore it. 
No, no, no. Like, we're going to um, keep going. One of the things that I was uh, working on was I have so missed podcasting, but it doesn't take a ton. But you know the arm movements? I use GarageBand, right? When you're editing and you're at, I just really can't do that, right? Because I use Dragon a lot, but Dragon's not good with like editing, right? It can, it's great for email. It's great for writing, but Dragon is not good for like, okay, now move that mouse. Nope. Like just scooch it a little. (laughs) You really can't do that. Right. So I hadn't been able to edit, but I was going back. And when WordPress five released my podcast site, I had not put the classic editor plugin on and it went funky. (laughs) Like the whole site went down and I was like crap on a cracker. So thankfully I hadn't removed, because I had moved my podcast from AllegraSinclair.com to its own URL. But I hadn't removed the posts from my blog, right? I had just forwarded them to the new location. So I went and took out all the 301s and, you know, jumped through all these hoops to move it. But one of the interesting things was I went back and I was running all these reports on podcast episodes. And I was like, episode 29, which was you and I, we did 28 and we did 29. (laughs) And 28... Well, you were on there. It went long. I broke it into two. But 29 has very quietly been kicking butt and taking names. As I sit here, I don't remember if that's you get to matter in your life or intention is everything. I just remember it was episode 29. I should know, but I don't. But um, yeah, 29 had been very quietly kicking butt and I wasn't paying it any attention. And I thought, oh my gosh. So I went and made a new featured image. I'm not like picking different images from everywhere. I have templates for my podcast. One is shaped for Pinterest. One is shaped for social and my featured image. Could I do something different every time? I could. Am I going to? Nope. <laughs> I am simplifying so I can yep. focus because that bogs me down. So I changed the featured image. I gave it a pinnable image. And in the last two weeks, it has gotten so popular on Pinterest. So when you were talking about something's not sexy until it is, that's a perfect example. It was not sexy. I changed I made the image look different and I made it more pinnable, right? I might've tweaked a couple things in the episode itself, but not a ton and it got sexy. So yes, like that boy with the glasses he ignored all through high school and then right around prom, you were like, when did he get muscles? (laughs) (laughs) Has he always been sitting in that way? (laughs) Right? It's like all of a sudden the post went from ah to uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Girl, we're going to end on that note. That is awesome. It's not sexy until it is. And I agree. sexy until it is. Man. So, girl, this was so fantastic, which it always is when I talk with you. Thank you for being my guinea pig for this new format. I just... You are welcome. I hope it was what you wanted it to be. And then some, as always. (laughs) All right, guys. You know the drill. Of course, if you've not left a review, I would love it. But truly, more than anything... Let me know how you like this format and you want more Allegra? Let's get more Allegra. I mean, I can never have too much Allegra. So um, it's pretty magical. Assuming she's got some time. (laughs) She does have her own business. Um, But as always, you guys, again, thank you so much for listening. I love you tons. Thanks for being on this journey with me and we will catch you next time. Well, there you have it, guys. (laughs) Oh goodness. That was uh, just sort of a a unique experiment. And of course I can chat with Allegra all day. So it was hardly an effort on my part. I appreciate her tons. I hope you guys found some value in that. And maybe some of it just resonated with you and you felt like you were hanging out with us, having a conversation. If you like these types of episodes, let me know because there are plenty more where that came from. 
As always, thanks so much for listening. Have a fantastic day and we will catch you next time.